Before starting the show, I'd like to acknowledge that I work and broadcast from the stolen lands of the Wandri and Bunurong peoples of the Kulin Nation. Hello, I'm Idwin Jeffrey, and you're listening to Earth Matters. Today on the show, we look at the threat of invasive deer in Victoria and the state government's new flash plan to address it. Deer were introduced to Victoria in the late 1880s by acclimatisation societies as recreational game for hunting. Without any natural predators and favoured towards Australia's climate, the deer population has grown radically over the past century and a bit, recently estimated at a population of one million deer in Victoria today. What started out as a pretty small and localised animal population has spread across Victoria, into the central highlands, Gippsland and many suburbs. Deer pose a growing threat as an invasive species to Victoria, to its biodiversity, its cultural heritage and social infrastructure. Last year, the state government published a new deer strategy, outlining a regional partnership approach to the deer problem. This was followed by the Perry Urban Regional Plan, which was published in March of this year. The approach seeks to guide investment and collaboration through government grants which will be then provided to local partnerships and initiatives for deer control. It's targeted around high-priority waterways, national parks and reserves. There's also a fair amount of money going towards the plan, with $250,000 in grants for local council initiatives and an overall $18 million in funding for the scheme as a whole. Our first interview is with Alex Maisie from the Sherbrooke Lyrebird Survey Group. Alex has lived and worked in conservation in Sherbrooke Forest for most of his life, and in our chat we discussed the background to the deer strategy, as well as how deer's increasing presence in Sherbrooke Forest is fundamentally changing the landscape that Alex lives and works in. So back in, I guess, the year 2000 was roughly when I, I started walking in Sherbrooke. There were always some deer there, but it was a tiny little population and there were only maybe one or two spots where you could see evidence of deer over-browsing vegetation and trampling the ground. Um, but there's a, uh, there was a point there where there were sort of low numbers and then we, we started getting into the early 2000s and the population began to grow and whether that was just the population in situ growing or other animals coming in from elsewhere, we don't really know. But the impact started to become more and more clear we would walk along the creeks and more and more often we'd see all these deer runs um, going up the embankments. And, um, of course, the deer, a samba deer, which is the species that we've got, is a massive animal. It might weigh up to 300 kilos for a, a male uh, or even more. And um, these animals are, are moving through the forest just trampling the, the embankments and causing all, a lot of erosion. And when it rains, a lot of this erosion runs into the creek and we were seeing the creeks starting to silt up a lot. Um, and the impacts on the lyrebirds were um, more than that. They were also eating the vegetation on the embankments and around the creek systems, um, and that's all that concealing habitat for the lyrebird nest. So um, that was one of the first things we noticed, is this, this opening up of the, the ground layer, uh, particularly in those gullies, because they're obviously wetter areas in the landscape and they, they should be quite dense and that was the first thing. But then as the, um, the male 
samba deer um, coming to their rut, they, they tend to rub their antlers on trees when they grow their new antlers out. And they don't just rub their antlers on any gum tree. They really like, um, specifically, the sassafras trees and the muttonwood trees, which in Sherbrooke Forest are, um, are rainforest canopy trees. And um, these grow along those creeks too. So we were seeing all these these trees becoming ringbarked by, by deer antlers just rubbing and they'd sort of rub their, their antlers on the ground in the mud, they'd wallow, they'd pee in the mud and then they rub the, the scent on the tree um, and it sort of marks their territory and it sharpened, might sharpen their, their antlers too. And ultimately all of these sassafras started to get rot into the heartwood and once that happens the trees fall over and they're not they're not able to re-sprout because anything that re-sprouts gets eaten by the deer. So we've got this um, massive problem where all the canopy of the rainforest is actually being destroyed um, by, by antler rubbing. Um, so that, that was the, the issues that sort of directly relate to the lyrebird. But in the Dandenong Ranges, we're actually, we're actually really lucky in that we've got a, a whole range of incredible endemic um, aquatic species. Um, and they're really they're really sensitive to all sorts of um, water quality issues. And when those creeks are becoming turbid, which is um, all the the mud and the suspended solids in the water making the water actually look dirty, um, it's blocking up all the living spaces for those small aquatic invertebrates. And eventually, they're just going to die out. So. It's been a tragedy for me um, in that 20 years or 22 years, um, going from uh, an 11-year-old where mm. I would not ever hesitate drinking the water out of Mombolt Creek to seeing it now literally running turbid. It's just, it's, it's a real tragedy to see. Mm. And over those 20 years, you know, 20 years of observation, could you quantify for us what, the, what risk we're looking at and, and how the deer have increased their presence or, or how they've, they're moving you know, out and destroying more habitat? Yeah, that's a really good question. So part of that, I think, is, is a real ecological unknown uh, as to what causes the deer populations to, to grow. Um, mm-hmm. They started with this tiny population and, you know, there was only like one spot where we went, oh, gee, what's, what animals cause this? We barely ever saw deer. We didn't even know the first time exactly what what was going on until we looked closely and saw these hoof prints and went, oh, it's a little cloven hoof. That must <laughs> be a, a deer. Over time, it's spread from one part of Sherbrooke Forest across the entire rest of, of the, the 800 hectares uh, and elsewhere in the Dandenong Ranges. <clears throat> so they're, they're really spreading it at a rate now. Um, I mean, on a state level... Um, there's an estimate of 37% of Victoria is now uh, inhabited by uh, over a million samba wow. deer. So that's that's a huge part of our entire state. Mm. But certainly locally, that change seemed to occur around 2008, 2009, possibly as a result of um, the, the Black Saturday fires that may have pushed animals out of other areas and they've come mm. looking for new new land to um, once that, that habitat was burnt elsewhere and that's when they've increased in the Dandenong Ranges. It does seem a bit coincidental that that's around the time that we noticed it really explode. Um, but unfortunately, there's not a lot of really good baseline monitoring um, for the, the sort of recent efforts. Um, and now, thankfully, there's um, 
some fabulous local groups like the Cardinia Deer con, um, Control Group that uh, coalition that are actually trying to get that really good monitoring data. But it's it's only a recent thing. This um, this hasn't really been tracked very well over the last fifteen or twenty years at all. So then talking solutions and sort of what's been attempted, I wanted to get a little bit of a history of like, do we have much historical efforts at deer pest control in Victoria? Originally, the the four species of deer that we've got in Victoria um, were actually released in the 1860s by acclimatisation societies. And the only real control mechanism since then has been sporting shooters. Extraordinarily, the the deer uh, have always been listed under our Wildlife Act um, as protected wildlife outside of the hunting season. So essentially, outside of that hunting season on public land, um, deer have been protected as as any native animal would. So this has been a real, um, I guess, problem for control for land managers, um, for private residents as farmers and people that have large properties. Um, until 2013, they weren't even able to control on their own land deer outside of that hunting season. Um, but on public land, the, the deer remain a protected species outside of that season. The Victorian government's introduced the Victorian Deer Control Strategy. What was the process of creating this strategy like? Yeah, so the, the first strategy that was drafted uh, was put out by um, the Victorian government um, back in 2019, I think. Um, it might have even been 18. And it, it was written very much um, around a sort of sustainable hunting strategy um, point of view. And it really didn't address the environmental and social concerns of um, both uh, public safety Uh, aspect of deer as well so people on roads obviously if you hit a 300 kilogram animal at at speed that's going to be a real problem Um, but also the environmental impacts of deer were were acknowledged but not really uh, in any great depth and it didn't really set out uh, a a, I guess a um, pathway to to any meaningful environmental change mm. um, so there was there was a lot of com- they came out for um, for comment and thankfully a lot of people did comment on that initial initial draft and uh, very strongly a lot of environmental groups a lot of land managers um, and that might be councils parks Victoria type people um, all sorts of people had their chance to comment on that and they went back to the drawing board and came back out with a, uh, a renewed strategy that had much more focus on actually lowering the impact of deer mm. on environmental assets and um, in, in the community, also agriculture, um, because obviously um, deer are, are not just an environmental pest, but they're, they're problematic if they're getting through fences and destroying um, crops and um, all sorts of horticultural things that uh, are also a big concern to a lot of people. So um, there was quite an interest in it and that new plan has sort of set out a a, a pathway that um, would lead to um, the development of regional control strategies and and that's been um, a really, I guess, the the first one that's been drafted uh, has now been published and that was something where 
the community was actually engaged on um, to sit on a, a steering committee, if you like. Um, so this was represented, or the, the groups represented included Parks Victoria, uh, Melbourne Water, so big players in land management in Victoria, but also a whole range of um, peri-urban councils um, and also the community groups. So the Victorian Deer Control Community Network were well represented um, and this was a way of trying to make sure that the, um, the regional strategy would actually set out a vision and it's, it's basically um, a decision support tool to guide investment um, by the state government and uh, it, it helps make decisions around whether um, a land manager is aiming to prevent deer from coming into an area or whether they're trying to contain numbers mm. at some level um, or in some cases, like um, fenced catchment areas, they might even try to eradicate deer, which is um, really quite the ideal scenario. If It's all around sort of recognising the assets that we care about as a, a community. That was Alex Maisie from the Sherbrooke Liabirds Survey Group. You're listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network. Today we're looking at the increasing threat of deer in Victoria. In our interview, Alex made a really interesting point, which is that deer are naturally very shy creatures and often the public won't actually see the deer or be aware of them in our local forests and related areas. And this, for me, stands as sort of symbolic of the larger lack of awareness around this issue. I didn't know about this until a friend actually took me out into Sherbrooke Forest and showed me some of the damage. And it's hard to conceptualise, especially over radio, what these animals are doing. Another threat that is recognised by the deer strategy is to cultural heritage sites, whether this is the destruction of native plants or country or significant areas. The plan champions partnerships that engage and include traditional owners in deer control. And this is a really interesting part of the deer strategy that I'm hoping we can go into in further episodes. But for now, we're going to round out the episode with an interview with Peter Jacobs from the Invasive Species Council, a national advocacy body for conservation. Peter is the officer in charge of deer control, and I wanted to use our interview to chat about this biosecurity approach of prevention, eradication, containment, and asset protection. I kicked off our chat with a discussion around the newly released plans and also what we need to be on the lookout for to ensure that they are successful. Yeah, well, from the Invasive Species Council perspective, we certainly encourage plans. It's really important to have uh, good good thinking about how we go about dealing with invasive species and having a logical and well-thought-through process as to how they're going to be addressed and having good community consultation so that everybody has a, has a chance to contribute to that. So I think for the, for the plan, what our approach is, um, we sort of call it a biosecurity approach, which is when you look at invasive species that are across the landscape, such as Victoria, they're so widespread and there's so many of them that we need to really be strategic about how we're thinking, about how we're, we're going to approach invasive species such as feral deer, because resources are, are limited, you've got to get the best bang for the buck and get the best outcome. So that's, that's really, really important for plans to do that. So our, our sort of position on, on statewide strategies and local strategies is that the most important thing is to prevent invasive species getting to where they currently aren't. So with feral deer, they, they currently cover about 40% of Victoria. There's about up to a million feral deer across the state. 
So the most important thing is to stop them spreading. Over the last few decades, since about 1980, they've really expanded right across the state and quite quickly. So we've really got to stop that. So first priority, prevent, and, and that's important to identify areas where they're not currently. The second priority for a strategic plan like this is to look at where they can be eradicated from. And it's clearly not feasible at the moment to eradicate feral deer from Victoria, even if we wanted to. But there are places that you can do that. Um, small, isolated populations, there are places where deer escape from deer farms or they were deliberately released in areas where there are small populations. So they're really the second priority. Try and get on top of those small populations and remove them. And then thirdly, you'll end up with an area that... So where do we contain these two? And a lot of eastern Victoria is probably an area that we'd uh, see them being contained to. And then within that large containment area, there's lots of assets that need to be protected. So the, the fourth thing there is within that area, what's, what's important? And, for example, in, in the Alps, you know, the alpine peatlands, which are so important for the biodiversity and water quality, they're, they're being pummeled by deer. So they're a really important asset that needs protecting, protecting. So that might be by fencing or doing really targeted control to try and protect those assets. So, and there are quite a few of them that need to do that. So that's how we would sort of like to see a, a plan for the state being. The current plan addresses that to some extent. It certainly talks about those principles. We'd prefer to see them actually in zones where you can actually identify, you know, this is this is where I am and this this is the objective for the area I'm in. The plan hasn't chosen chosen to do that, but it does talk in principle of, of what I just spoke about. So we certainly support that. So we just need to see how that actually happens in action. The plan works on the premise of grants and funding uh, for on-ground solutions and partnerships and initiatives. Now, we've had some controversy in the past where we see government, you know, big cash splash, but not a lot of accountability for where it's ending up or what it's actually funding. Can I get your thoughts on, yeah, the approach that is involved in this plan? Look, the Victorian government has provided some some reasonably decent funding for for the feral deer program over four years, so we certainly um, welcome that. Um, and as you say, it's how that's distributed, it's, it's really important. And invasive species programs do really involve the whole community. They're about partnerships and people working together. So, but it does need leadership. Um, so you need a group such as the um, DELP in Victoria to be providing leadership to the community about, well, this is, this is where the priorities are for deer control, but then engaging various groups to how they might be able to go about that. So on, you've got public land and private land and most of the public land programs and, and frankly that's where most of the deer are will be programs that are administered by DELP or, or Parks Victoria or other public land managers. So they, they sort of work out within those departments um, how the funds are being distributed and what, and what the priorities are for but it should still fit into that framework that I spoke about earlier about uh, where the priorities are for that. Then there are other groups like land care, um, local community groups, local environment groups that also have uh, care about the environment as well, that uh, they want to see deer being controlled. So they have an important role to play as well. So there is a community grants program coming up where around the Melbourne peri-urban area they can apply for grants for doing that sort of work. So they're really important partners, uh, local government areas and others sort of trying to work together. But... It is important as a grand plan. So as long as those grants are being allocated in line with priorities that have been set through good plans, 
uh, we certainly support that and, and support seeing people work together. And uh, indeed, we've, Invasive Species Council has been, I suppose, at the forefront of establishing a community network in Victoria of organisations and individuals that are interested in reducing the impact of deer. And uh, those those people certainly have an interest in how the, how the funding's been distributed. So, yeah, all, all a community approach, but good plans and, and good direction to make sure they're working to a, a good end point. And from the Invasive uh, Species Council, what's your perspective on like measuring success in this plan or the effectiveness of this plan? What are you guys looking out for? Well, what, ultimately what we want to see is a reduction, significant reduction in the impact of feral deer on biodiversity, on agriculture, on public safety uh, and economics generally in Victoria. Uh, we just recently commissioned a survey from Frontier Economics which looked at the economic, social and environmental impact of feral deer in Victoria. And that just even that just looked at a few factors uh, that could be uh, measured and monetised. And even with those few factors around agriculture, around public safety, around forestry and around recreational impacts, they determined that over the next 30 years, feral deer are going to cost Victorians over $2 billion dollars. That's billion dollars. Um, so we we really need to see a, a reduction in that. So the outcome would be from from those plans a significant reduction in the spread of deer. So bringing their current occupied areas down, you know, down to a much smaller area. There's certainly a significant reduction in the number of deer, but ultimately it's about impacts and uh, ensuring that the actual impact of deer are starting to be really seriously reduced on our natural biodiversity values, but also on farmers and landowners and car accidents and all sorts of things that are a result of deer being in the landscape. We Obviously, it's deer aren't going to disappear out of the landscape anytime too soon, but we can certainly manage them and uh, make sure we're putting our resources cleverly into how we can get that reduction in the impact. And what's some specific projects or initiatives that could be adopted or we've seen be successful? The biggest program that's probably interested for people would be uh, that you have to go back through parts of Victoria. That uh, after the 2025, there was a lot of quite a lot of deer being um, removed from the fire affected areas in eastern Victoria and also down in western Victoria as well. They did some work on that. So um, that's probably the biggest program that's been going on with aerial and ground shooting across a lot of parks in eastern Victoria since 2020. So that's that, and that, that's to sort of reduce the immediate impact of deer on those areas that were burnt so they can start to recover without having herds of deer sort of chewing them off. So that was funded through the bushfire recovery programs. That's probably a big landscape scale project that people might be interested to hear a bit more about. There's a large debate around this plan that legal protection still exists for deer. In fact, there are four different interpretations of deer in three separate state acts kind of arguing between this pest and protected status. Do you think this needs to be cleaned up? Yes, indeed it does. And the the really bizarre situation in Victoria that we have is there's up to a million deer uh, estimated to be across the state. They're clearly causing, you know, uh, they're a pest in terms of um, the impacts there that are occurring, uh, the economic study I just mentioned before, there's clearly a big economic cost as well to deer. But bizarrely, they're actually protected um, under the Wildlife Act. Deer are, are a protected species, and they 
have this status because initially, you know, they're seen as being a game species, so it allows them to be considered to be game. So that's a, a really serious issue that needs to be addressed. And, and while that is certainly being partly addressed by that protection now being removed from private property, they're still under the Wildlife Act protected on public land. So what that means is that any program that's undertaken by land managers on public land needs to get a permit and uh, needs to meet the objectives of the Wildlife Act, which um, is a fairly bizarre situation where they're clearly a pest. So we've lobbied the government quite strongly on the fact that that Wildlife Act needs to be changed. It's currently being reviewed at the moment, and it's simply removing deer from the Wildlife Act, uh, leaving the Wildlife Act for native wildlife, not introduced animals like deer, and treating them as the, the pest that they are, and they can then be proclaimed under the Catchment and Land Protection Act as a, as a pest species and they can be um, properly accounted for in that way. So that is important. And uh, given the, uh, you know, the moves to unprotect them on private land and things like that, it's a sort of quite bizarre situation and it just doesn't make any sense. And I know that your organisation's recently been developing this report around the cost of deer, you know, socially, environmentally, economically. Where can listeners find that? Is that uh, released on the website yet? Yes, it is. If, if uh, listeners want to go to the Invasive Species Council, they through the search engine, they'll find that uh, website. And if they then, there's a whole lot of information on there about a whole range of species across Australia. But if they go to deer, they'll then find their way to Victorian deer and they'll find uh, that report there that they can um, read or, or download, and they can also find it under a media release as well that we recently did for the report. So I'd certainly encourage people to have a look at that. And one of the, the, the I suppose, the things we identified was that even with that $1 billion dollars uh, over the next uh, 30 years, it doesn't take into account the cost to the environment, and it's a really difficult thing to measure. So those alpine peatlands I mentioned that are being destroyed by deer or threatened species that are being browsed and chewed or uh, little rainforests that are being destroyed by deer on the coast, none of those things are considered there because they're just too difficult to put a, a, money, value, a money value on. But we all know that they're very valuable in terms of um, our nature and our biodiversity in our community. So that's, that's cost on top of that. Um, and uh, one day we'll, we'll get good at being able to monetize the impact on the environment, on the natural environment, but at this stage we can only really guess and do our best to, uh, to try and reduce those impacts. That was Peter Jacobs from the Invasives Species Council. You can find more information about deer at their website, invasives, I-N-V-A-S-I-V-E-S, dot org dot A-U. A further resource you might also be interested in is the Victorian Deer Central Network, a collection of groups following and advocating around conservation for this issue. They can be found at vdccn.org.au. You've been listening to Earth Matters, Community Radio's National Environmental Justice Program. I'm Edwin Jeffrey. If you missed any of today's show, you can find our podcast at 3cr.org.au forward slash Earth Matters. Earth Matters would like to thank the Community Broadcasting Foundation for their financial support and the Community Radio Network for getting the program out to you. Earth Matters is produced in the studios of 3CR on Wurundjeri Country. If you'd like to get in contact, you can send us an email at earthmatters3cr at gmail.com or go to our Facebook page. Tune in next time for more Earth Matters.